Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. Amen. Who said that? Who said, amen? (laughs) Slater or Sawyer? Let's go, Sawyer. Oh, man, that was good. That was my third time hearing that same worship set, and that one just wrecked me. So thank you, guys. Man, it doesn't get old if you're worshiping for the right reasons. Doesn't get old. Just doesn't. Thanks for being here. 1130. I've never said that time before. 1130 people. I love you so much. Thanks for being here. Man, we've had a day already. We've, we've done a whole day. And um, if you're here now, you get the tail end of it. There's no telling what's going to come out of my mouth. You get the tail end, you get the rest of me. I'm not leaving anything on the table, putting it all out there. So we have, we started with 8.30. Can you believe it? Sawyer, were you even awake at 8.30 this morning? Yeah, he he probably was. He probably had all kinds of things going. Um, But we started at 8.30 with a bunch of kiddos. I think there was, oh, I don't know, 87 of us at the first service, which was amazing. We did a kid's sermon. And I've been telling, I told the, you know what's going to happen, right? So the 10 o'clock service turned into my middle child, and you guys are the baby. So I was telling my middle child, the 10 o'clock service, that um, depending on how you behave, we'll determine whether I revert back to the kid's sermon and get down here and teach on on the stage, on the floor, or if I keep it up with the adults. So you guys get to pick which one you want. But I'm so, for, for real, I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, you guys are the spoiled, ba- you spoiled last child, okay? So that's how you're going to be treated. Um, but first of all, we want to take a minute and just lift up Miss Kathleen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she fell last night. What did you call me, like 10 p.m. last night, Lloyd? It was about 10 p.m. when Lloyd called me last night to say that Kathleen had fallen. And um, I think they've determined that she's broken her pelvis. So we need to just lift her up. And John is with her. Their youngest son, John, is with her at the hospital. So let's just take a minute, can we, and pray for Miss Kathleen, and then we'll dive into our lesson for today. God, we just love you so much. And we know that as much as we love Kathleen and Lloyd and think so highly of them being a part of our body, you love her more. And uh, you saw fit to allow this to happen, God. And, and I know that you're uh, the great physician. You're the great healer. And so we just pray over her body right now that uh, while she's in the hospital getting the best treatment and the best care from the best doctors, that you would do what they can't, that you would just go before them and supernaturally uh, give her the healing that her body needs quickly, uh, ahead of schedule. Uh, I pray that she would already, um, that her spirit would be up, that her attitude would be Uh, ready for this fight, this challenge that it is to recover from this. And God, we just pray ultimately for complete and total restoration, total healing, uh, that you would raise her back up, restore her body, give the doctors wisdom. And if they have to do a kind of surgery, I pray that your hands would guide them in that. And uh, just be with Lloyd too, as he um, will have to transport back and forth to see his dear wife, that you would just uh, help them as a couple to encourage themselves in the Lord. 
And I pray that as a church body, we could rally around them and help them do the same. We love you. We know all things work together for good to those who are the called according to your purpose. And that is Lloyd and Kathleen. And so we just give them into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, Sawyer, I like having you here. This is good already. I want to preach a message to you entitled Gray Decisions. You know, my wife's always telling me that all of her major life decisions have been gray. And as much as we want them to be black or white, you know, the big stuff, the big moves, big decisions, we want them to be black and white, but sometimes they're just not. And that's the case for Alyssa. She said, even our wedding day was super, super gray for me. I was headed down the aisle and I'm just, I just don't know if this is the right move for me or not. I don't know if this is the guy. You guys think I'm joking, but I'm actually very serious. Uh, very serious as she, as she headed down. She's like, ah, well, this is, here goes nothing. This is a very great decision, but I'm, I'm headed down the aisle. No turning back now. So um, how many, has that been like that for you? Maybe a decision or two is you've wanted to be black and white, but it's just been gray and you're not sure about the move. You're not sure really, but you got to do something. And maybe you're like me and you're like, God, I need a sign. Give me a revelation. Have Angel Gabriel come down and stand at the foot of my bed and speak to me in my dreams, right? We wish that would happen. That'd be so clear. We would know what to do. There'd be no denying what to do if God sent an angel to us, right? Sometimes it's not like that. And if you're anything like me, we have to make decisions. And a lot of times what happened, the confusing part is that our will and our desires, our wants get mixed all up in it. And we're, we find ourselves asking the question that's the whole series, this brand new series, and that question is, is that me? Or is that God? How many of you have been there? Is that me or is that God? Yeah, even as, even as a church person, like even a pastor, like we've made, we've made, can I just be vulnerable? We've made decisions even around here that were not black and white, Marcus. Can you believe it? We've had, we've had to make great decisions even in church. And it wasn't going to be like, well, what's wrong with you? What unconfessed sin do you have that God wouldn't give you a clear black and white answer? And the thing about it is, is just real life and the rubber hits the road. Sometimes it's a great decision. Is that me or is that God? One of our primary core values at Decided Church is listen to God. Oh man, you guys are A students. Usually the baby is the smart one because they, they have to learn all the, you know, they got to learn how to relate to the other two and be sneaky. So good job. Listen to God, do what he says. A key part of that is listening, right? In order to listen to God and do what he says, you have to be able to listen. You have to know how to hear God. And that's a big part of this series. We're going to talk about that. But this is the lesson we came to church for today, a foundational principle to understand when answering this question, is that me or is that God, is knowing first that obedience is greater than revelation. Obedience is greater than revelation. Before we even get to the part where we talk about how to listen and how to hear God, I need you to know that obeying him is what he values more. Obedience is greater than revelation. It trumps it every time. So let's stand. We're going to read from Mark chapter 8 because there's a great story in here where Jesus answers this question. And there's not a one of us in the room, if you're completely honest, who doesn't want God directly to speak to you. 
It's just human nature. We want a sign. We want a revelation. We want God to speak directly to us. And there's a situation like this in Mark chapter 8. And it goes like this. The Pharisees came and begun to argue with him, seeking from him. Everybody say the next two words. A sign. A sign. See, they're not so much different from us, are they? They wanted a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. It was one of those, you know, disappointing sighs, you know, like, <sighs> and he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. He gets right to the point. He's super blunt. And then he left them. He got in the boat again, went to the other side. So not only Clayton did he say, I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm out of here. I'm through with you. I'm getting in my boat and I'm going as far away from you as I can possibly get. You wicked generation that wants a sign. Very interesting, right? Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Same exact story, a little bit different twist. It says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, now, how, what does he call them this time? An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And we'll talk about what that is. But let's pray really quick and then we'll dive in. God, we want to hear from you this morning at the 1130 service. Thank you for still being here. Thank you for uh, just giving us fresh energy and a, and a fresh filling of your power this morning. I pray that for those who have come today to learn from your word, that we would be changed, that we would be set on a different course today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. One of the, you may be seated. One of the cool things I like about this sermon series is that it's going to be very practical, and I think it's going to help you. I think it's really going to change some things for you. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be up here preaching it. Some of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning, I've, I've had to live, live and learn. And those are the hardest lessons, but they're the richest because they mean a lot. But this stuff will save you a lot of heartache. It'll save you some gray hairs, Kelly. Some of the stuff we're going to learn about today. Is that me or is that God? So we read about it in Mark. We read about it in Matthew chapter 12. That Jesus says, I'm not going to give you a sign. And in, in essence, he's saying, because I've already given you one. It was the sign, of, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, who knows about Jonah? You know the story. Jonah was, uh, he was called by God to go to Nineveh. He did not want to. He did not want God to forgive that nation. And so he got on a boat and went the opposite direction. And God said, unfortunately, Jonah, there's no getting out of this. And they tossed him over. He got swallowed by a, a great fish. I'm just kidding. It's probably a whale. Um, he got swallowed by a whale for, and he was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. At the end of that three days and three nights, he got thrown up, Hannah, regurgitated onto the beach with everything that comes with it. And Jesus is telling this evil and adulterous generation, he's like, I've given you a sign. It's the sign of Jonah. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I am that sign. You're asking for a sign and I'm right here. 
He's saying, I am going to be the one that is sacrificed for your sins. I'm going to be buried for three days. I'm going to rise again the third day. I am the sign of the prophet Jonah. I'm standing right before you. You're asking for a sign and I've given it to you. So if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my sermon is Great Decisions. And number one, what Jesus wants to teach us this morning is that obedience is greater. Obedience is greater than revelation. You know, God's not against signs. It may seem like that in the two passages we read. God's not against signs. In fact, he's not even against you asking for a sign. He's really not. In fact, in Isaiah, we read a story about King Ahaz. Everybody say Ahaz. God comes to him and says, King Ahaz, you need to ask me for a sign. And Ahaz, I'm not going to do it. Why would I ever test God? I would never do any such thing. And he's like, fine, I'm going to give you one anyway because you need it, Bubba. And so he gives King Ahaz a sign, and it happens to be Isaiah 7:14, the one about Emmanuel coming to be with us. But we know even from that story and all over the Bible, there's 47 mentions of a sign, a revelation in Scripture. Of those 47, 31, 31 are to God or from God to man unsolicited. In other words, God has no problem with signs. He has no problem with you asking for a sign. He's, he's given a sign to, to mankind, to us humans, 31 times over scripture without us even asking. He's not against a sign. What he's saying is the prerequisite for receiving a sign is obedience. Obedience is greater than revelation. The prerequisite you need is to be walking in obedience to experience the sign that God has for you. Jesus is telling this crowd here in, in Mark, the same crowd in Matthew chapter 12, he's telling them, in essence, you're not ready to receive the sign that you already have because you're not being obedient. If you were being obedient, if you had eyes to see, then you would know that I am the sign. I've come to you. I'm right here in living flesh. Furthermore, he had just performed one of his greatest signs recorded in the Gospels. He had just performed. When we read in Mark chapter 8 that these Pharisees came to him demanding a sign, he had just given, he had just performed one of the greatest signs recorded in the Gospels. Let's read about it. Basically, 4,000 people come to him. He had just done this great sermon on the mount. Everybody was sitting. And at the end of it, he had them all sit, and he's like, who's got some lunch? Anybody in that boat this morning? I would love if we had somebody that could multiply loaves and make us all filled and satisfied right now at the 1130 service. Any takers? Okay, well, I tried. But in this story, he broke the pieces. Everybody ate, and this wasn't like communion style. I've seen you guys just tear a little corner piece off and head back to the chair. This isn't communion style. You need to think like Baptist buffet style. Everybody ate. Everybody's mama ate. And they were all satisfied. And they gathered how many baskets full of leftovers? Seven baskets of leftovers, it said. And, and, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. Jesus is saying, you guys come to me asking for a sign. Number one, I am a sign. I'm the sign of Jonah. Number two, I just performed one of my greatest miracles that's recorded in the Gospels. So, so in other words, there's, there's plenty of signs, 
but you may not be able, you may not be ready to experience them or receive them because you're not being obedient. Obedience is greater than revelation and specifically what he's saying here in this passage with the seven baskets full, he's saying obedience expands capacity. If you want to have capacity to receive a sign or revelation or a word from God, start with obedience. Obedience is greater than revelation. Obedience expands capacity. He's saying, I want you to be more like the 4,000 that sat at my feet, received my words, ate of the miracles that I performed, and still had leftovers. I want you to be like that rather than being like the Pharisees who have plenty of signs but no obedience to receive them. Obedience is greater. He's telling these Pharisees, you've got capacity issues. Your faith through obedience, by the way, is is, is that's your sign to God that you're prepared to receive his sign. What if, what if just for a day, two days, a week, what if we were more concerned with giving God a sign than we were about receiving a sign? Your obedience to his word is a sign to him that you're ready. Obedience expands capacity. Man, I want to drive that home. What if we were less concerned with getting a sign from God and more concerned with giving him a sign? Number two, obedience is greater than revelation. Why? Because God will not speak in contradiction to his word. That's it. That's why obedience is greater. Obedience will always be greater than revelation because God's not going to tell you something outside of this book. He's not going to go tell you to do something that contradicts what he's already written in his word. So obedience will always be of greater value to him because he's given us his love note. He's given us a book full of, of not just rules to follow, but he's given us a book full of miracles and signs and wonders. And he's saying, just obey what's here. If, if you need a sign, I've given you. We're, we're so caught up with asking for the supernatural revelation, but we've ignored the written Revelation. Matthew chapter 12, in this specific account, I want to go back to it in Matthew chapter 12, and I want to read God's description of this generation. He, he says about the Pharisees and the scribes in verse 39, but he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What does he call us again? He calls us an evil and adulterous generation. An evil. Do you know what Jesus is saying? We already know from several other passages, he's not against signs. He's not even against us asking for signs. So what does he mean? What he's saying to these Pharisees that have experienced Jesus in the flesh, that have experienced his miracles right before their eyes, he's saying, if you desire a sign over the Savior, that is all the sign you need. Desiring a sign, and this applies to us even right now, right here in our generation. In our moment of history, if, we're, if, we're, if we desire a sign over the Savior himself, that is in and of itself a sign of immaturity, prematurity, wickedness, and ultimately adultery. 
because we desire the gift over the giver. We want the sign over the savior. We want what he does in our life more than we want him. That's adultery. Never ask for a supernatural revelation if you haven't spent time with his written revelation. You guys, we have a book here, a love note from God. And it's so full of promises for you. It's so full of life giving. It's so full of exhortation and edification. And we run around asking for the supernatural. And we're never opening this book to see what he's already written, what he's already told us to do. If you want to receive a word, do the word. If you want the, the supernatural revelation, read the written revelation. John chapter 15, he talks about it here in his own words. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Anybody want to be fruitful this morning? Anybody want to be successful about your business? What God has called you to do? He's saying that can only happen if you're attached to me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is saying obedience is greater than revelation because I will not speak in contradiction with my word. Obedience is greater. Spend time with me. Abide in me. I want to be your source. And then when you get that right, when you're abiding with him, when you're obeying the word, he says you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you want. Wait, I can ask for whatever I want. I thought it was supposed to be, I, I, I need to seek a sign for his will, right? That was the whole point of this series is that I need to get alone from, from, with God and I need his word. I need what he wants. I need his will. I need, I need to know the decision that he has for me. But this passage says I can ask for whatever I wish and it will be done for me. You know, we, when we talk about God, churchy people are weird. When we start talking about God's will for our lives, we get all caught up like, God, you know, what do you want to be? What do you want to accomplish for God? What do you want to do for God? Well, I don't know. I just want to do his will. I want to be in submission and I want to actually ask for what he wants out of my life. And I want to live out his will. And we think that God's in heaven and he's got this master blueprint, right? He's an engineer and he's got this masterful blueprint and he's charted out every exact decision and step of our lives. And if we make a wrong turn, he's messed it up and, we, and he's thrown up his hands. He's like, I'm done with you, Emily. You made this one bad decision, this one wrong turn over here, and you've messed up my whole blueprint. And we think God is, is orchestrating and designing every single turn and bend and step in our lives. And in reality, if he were to call us up to heaven and, and really see what's down on his paper, it's just your name. He just wants you. And he's saying, if you would abide with, this verse is saying, if you would just abide with me, if you would just spend time with me, if you would just dig into this letter that I wrote you, you can ask whatever you want. I don't care. I'm a good father. I want to give it to you. I want to give you desires. I want to give you your wants. I want to give you your will. Spend time with me. Spend time in my word. I don't, God is, God is big enough and sovereign enough that he can take your wills, your wants, your desires and weave them into his own. 
It's not an XYZ formula equation that when we insert the wrong thing, we get the wrong answer and we've screwed up our lives. God is God and we are not. And he's saying, I want you. I, I want Chris Maxwell. I want Joel. I want Isha Potter. And, and, and when you abide with me, Isha, when you spend time with me, when, when you're the vine and when, when I'm the vine and you're the branches, you're going to be blessed in what you do. You can ask for whatever you want and it'll be done for you because when you're living in obedience to this book, and I'm going to be wrong, look at what he says in James 1, through 25. If you're anxious to receive a word, do the word. James 1 puts it this way, but be doers of the word. And not here is only deceiving yourselves. In other words, when we get down to this question, is that me or is that God? The important thing to understand is that he's not going to speak in contradiction to his word. So are you doing his word? There are several principles laid out in this book that will make you successful if you read them and apply them. Don't just hear them. Don't just listen to them, but listen and do. Hear and then take action. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he was like. There's not a woman here who'd look at yourself in the mirror and walk away and be like, ah, I look fine, I think. No, if you got something on your face, if you got some, a hair out of place, you're going to fix it. That's what mirrors are for. You, you look and then you respond appropriately, correct? That's the, that's the word of God. He's saying, don't just be a here. Don't look into it and then walk away unchanged. Look into the mirror of my word and then respond appropriately. And if you can get to that point in your spiritual life, this is what he says. But to the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Do you get what God's saying? He's giving you a spiritual cheat code. He's giving you a biblical life hack here. It'll, it'll change you. It'll, it'll save you some heartache. It'll, this, this principle will save you some gray hair. Jesus is saying, if you would just simply obey, that's the sign that I need to know that you're ready for my sign. And if you just hear and obey this book, you will be blessed in whatever you do. Can I tell you a secret? Can I give you a spiritual cheat code? If you're walking in obedience to his word, you know, it really doesn't matter what decisions you make. If you're walking in obedience to this book, the Bible says the decisions you make, God can work with. It's that simple. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're over here fretting over here or there, God. Here or there. Do I, do, I, do I move to this state or that state? Do I take this job or that job? And, and what do I do with my money? My, my church wants my money. My job wants my money. My wife wants my money. My kids want my money. And, and we get all caught up in these decisions where we want black or white. Black or white, God. Give me a sign. Give me a revelation. Black or white. And God says, walk with me and it doesn't matter. Do what my book says and I can work with what you've got. That takes the pressure off. I don't know about you. Where is that in the Bible, Jim? How are, you, how, how are you preaching this stuff with so much confidence and authority? Well, number one, because I've lived it. I've lived it. God's, God's will is not a location. It's not a pin drop. It's a current. Doesn't matter where you get in. You can get in over at James Metz Landing. You can get in at Saluda Shoals. You can get in at the Casey Riverwalk. 
God's will is not a pin drop. It's a current. It's a direction. He can work with what you've got. He's saying, I don't care the decisions you make. If you're walking with me, if you're abiding and doing my word, I'm a, I'm a good dad. I, I, I want to give you your desires. I want to give you your wants. I want to give you your will because by this time, it's going to be blurred lines. Let me show you Psalm 37, 4 and we'll be done. For the spiritually mature, this is for you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of his holy heart. Is that what it says? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you his will as a sign from heaven. Downloaded through the angel Gabriel. Inspired through the pastor Jim at Decided Church. No, it's not what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Your heart. He made you. He made you with your desires, with your wants, with your abilities, with your giftings, and he wants you. Again, his will is not a blueprint and his will is not an exact pin drop. He's saying, abide with me, be with me, love me, spend time with me, and I'll give you what you want. I'm a good dad. I want to give you the things that are on your heart. Delight yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. So when we get to the point where we ask spiritually mature believer, right? Can I talk to you like that? Y'all are the 1130 service. You guys are spiritually mature. When you get to the point where you're spiritually mature, did you know that God's sovereignty and your free will should be blurred lines? Maybe they're supposed to be gray decisions. Maybe it's not always supposed to be black and white. Maybe you're at the point spiritually when you ask that question, is that me or is that God? God says, what difference does it make? I want to give you the desires of your heart. You've been delighting in me. You've been spending time with me. You're worshiping not, not just the giver, the gift. You're worshiping the giver. You're not just worshiping a sign. You're worshiping the Savior. You're not just worshiping the blessings. You're, you're worshiping the blessings Giver, have your cake and eat it too. I want to give you the desires of your heart. So there's a lot more to unpack, and I can't wait to dive deep into this sermon. But here's for today. If you've been walking with God and you're spiritually mature, and you get to this question, is that me or is that God? God wants to tell you today, it should be great. And, and don't be mistaken, because I've grown up in a church where they would preach this exact verse, Psalm 37, 4, and they would say, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he is going to manipulate your desires into his own. He is going to change what you want and make it what he wants. That is not what the Bible says. It says he will give you the desires of your heart. God made you. There's nothing he needs to manipulate or change about your desires. If you delight in him and you walk with him, he wants you to have the plane. He wants you to do the things that you want to do. He wants you to build a building at 1017 Bickley Road. 
He wants you to be successful at your career. God's sovereignty and your free will should be blurred lines. Let's pray. Jesus, we desperately want to obey you. We don't need to hear from you. We're not asking for a sign today. We're not asking for revelation today. You've given us all the signs we need. We have your word. We have your Holy Spirit. And we know that there is plenty to obey in this book that we can be busy about. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you a pointed question. Maybe you've been the one asking for a sign, asking God to make himself clear, asking God for the move. And the whole time he's been waiting on you. The whole time he's been waiting on your sign of obedience. God, where's my sign? I need it. I need a revelation, God. Where are you? Speak to me. Should I do this job or that job? Should I move here or there? Should I do this with my finances or that with my finances? God, this relationship is a mess. Should I reach out? Should I not reach out? And God's saying, where's, where's my sign of obedience? How do I know that you're, how do I know that you've got capacity for what I want to do in your life? I got signs on ending. Where's your sign? Where's your faith? Maybe this morning you've been worshiping the blessing, the gift, the sign over the Savior. And if that's you this morning, you've got to repent. That's an adulterous heart. And I'm not saying that to shame you or condemn you. I'm saying that because we can all get caught up in the emotions. We can all get caught up in the... Uh, signs and wonders, whatever you want to call them. And, and we're constantly grasping for emotional support when God's saying, it's, it's about me. It's about me, man. It's not about the gift. It's not about the blessing. It's not about the sign. Those are all things that are supposed to point you to abide in me, to walk with me, to delight in me. If that's you this morning, could you just slip up your hand? Saying, yeah, I need, I, I need to be busy about obeying. I need, to be, I need to be busy about giving God a sign, and I need to stop asking for one. Amen. I see those hands. How about you that you've been, you've been worshiping this? God's given you the sign, the blessing, the gift, and you've been worshiping that instead of the Savior himself. Can I see your hand? Just slip it up. Amen. I see that. And if that's y'all, I pray that you'd get help. Just and when I say get help, know that I'm not condemning you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just saying like, I've lived this thing too. I've been where you are. And there are people in the back that want to put an arm around you and pray with you. They want to tell you that you're not in this alone, that we're a church family. So as I finish out the prayer and the band sings one last song, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would take action. I pray that you do something. God, we're so grateful for your written word, and we want to honor it in this church. We don't want to just be individuals who honor and obey your word. We want to be a church who lives and breathes by the written revelation. It says, you've said that you've exalted your word above your even your own name. You say that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You say that wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed. To what your word says. 
God, I pray that we would be a church and a people, soldiers and disciples who don't get caught up worrying about the signs, but we would fall in love with the Savior in his word. I pray that we would be a spiritually mature church that is able to approach big decisions and say, you know what? Whatever, I, whatever decision I make, God can work with it. He wants to give me my desires. He wants to give me what I want. He's a good father. So I'm going to do the thing. God, teach us and grow us and help us to be more like you every day. Help us to understand your heart for us. That is not a list of do's and don'ts. That is not a blueprint. That is not a pin drop. Help us to know your heart is us. You want us. You want all of us. Completely uncovered, completely unmasked, completely unhypocritical. You want all of us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for this three-service Sunday. It's in Jesus' name we pray.